Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, James and Anthony. Today we'll be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once with special guest Chris Rudd. Hello, movie friends. Let's get into everything, everywhere, all at once. And on today's episode, we have special guest Chris Rudd from the podcast Streaming Things, which is currently one of the most popular Stranger Things podcasts on the planet, and his movie TikTok account, Movies Are Therapy. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you folks? We're also We're wonderful. Great. So We're excited great. to have you on. You just had us on your show, Streaming Things, last week. That was a lot of fun, and congratulations on you guys are killing it with your show. I saw you guys, what, top 20 in the United States for TV and film in the category? Yeah, it's been crazy. It's, it's blowing up, as the kids say. Very exciting. <laughs> so exciting. And are you very excited for Volume 2 to be dropped and I'm, released? I'm terrified, to be honest with you, but I'm also extremely hyped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. He, I love your TikTok account. It's really great. Yeah, we found you, what, yeah. like six months ago or something like yeah, that? Something, and yeah. if anyone, if you've seen his TikTok account, he's the guy who talks about movies and wears the white A24 hat. So we, had him on, we have him on for an A24 episode. Yeah, I had to bring the hat today. People wouldn't yeah. recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about A24, the studio and their films that you just love so much? Uh, I'm just kind of a poser. You know, I want people to think I'm cool. And, uh, <laughs> want to be hip? <laughs> so I Artistic? No, I, I just think it's synonymous with um, originality and, and risk-taking in an industry that I think for a long time a lot of us thought was getting stale. And uh, as much as we love superhero flicks and and legacy sequels and how fun that is uh it started to become this common refrain that it's all the same stuff all the time and i think a24 came out really blew up around 2016 or so and uh it just kind of reinvigorated things they were they were producing scripts that it seemed like no one else would do like this is amazing but why would you pay to make this you're you're an insane person you know um so i was really like movies like lock and under the skin you know it just got exciting really really quick and uh, and the witch, you know, so I just I like what they stand for, um, and there's other studios doing it too. Like Neon is killing it as well, um, but yeah, I just that's what I think about when when I wear this hat. That's why I like it, you know. Yeah, they're and, all yeah. over the place. There's their uh, range of genres is immense. I mean, you're talking about Moonlight, Oscar winning film, then also mm-hmm. making movies like Tusk, and you're just like, what the hell is this movie? So like, I love the, them for the same reasons. They take chances and they just take shots in the dark. And they green light projects for great filmmakers that otherwise wouldn't get the money. Like you said, they wouldn't studios wouldn't green light like. Yorgos Lanthimos has been with A24 for the last several years, and he's one of my favorite filmmakers. And so also discovering new filmmakers like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers and and guys and gals like that. I think that providing great artists with the budgets that they wouldn't get otherwise has been a highlight of the studio. Anna Perner Pictures was doing that a lot in the 2000s and 2010s, producing like a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies and Spike Jones movies. And so I think A24 took the baton from Annapurna and has really just been on top of the world in terms of great cinema lately. Oh, definitely. And so today's episode is about everything, everywhere, all at once, which took the world by storm. This came out. It is written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinart. Before they did this, they did Swiss Army Man, and they're both music directors and producers. On IMDb, this film is an 8.3. It's currently the top-rated movie on the list of IMDb user ratings at number 135. Rotten Tomatoes, it is a 95% critic score, 89% audience score, so universally loved. On a budget of $25 million, it became A24's most successful film of all time, surpassing films like Hereditary, and has a box office of $87.2 million. The film is about an aging Chinese immigrant who is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. So how do you guys feel about this movie? I love the movie, and I love the Daniels, because Swiss Army Man was one of my favorite movies when it came out a few years ago. I thought it was really terrific and so unique. And these two guys, they bring things, they bring storytelling that we don't often see. They're so creative and inventive, and they tell stories non-traditionally. I think they're, they're excellent directors and writers and a welcome voice in American cinema. Yeah, absolutely. I, I adore this movie. Uh, it was one of my most anticipated of the year because I was such a huge fan of Swiss Army Man. Because when I saw Swiss Army Man, I was like, what <laughs> is this? You know, but I couldn't deny that it was what's so funny about it is it's so bonkers and it's hilarious. Right. So it's this exercise in absurdity. 
but also I couldn't get around how emotional it was. Like, mm-hmm. am I crying right now watching this Harry Potter corpse? You know, I just couldn't. <laughs> it was it was hard to process, and so I'm so excited to see what they would do next. And and everything everywhere all at once looked really crazy. Um, and but I couldn't have predicted the emotional onslaught that was this film. Um, and it had a kind of an ironically slow release because it, it, it was not everything everywhere all at once. It was in a couple cities at a time for a, hey, a month and a half. I see what you did there. <laughs> so I heard this. <laughs> I, and I don't live in, I live in a big city, but not like the coastal important ones for art. So, you know, it was kind of petering out toward me and I was hearing all this early praise. And uh, a lot of people I respect were like, this might be my favorite movie of all time. And I was just like, you know, really interested now because you're thinking – that's a crazy statement to make, you know. You can say best of the year, best of the year so far. That's 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 bold enough. But these people who have, you know, been film critics for decades were saying this might be their favorite movie ever. And I was like, what is this movie? I can't I can't wait. And somehow it lived up to that hype. It's incredible. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where you get awesome perks like our podcast schedules, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show, as well as weekly episodes that all patrons have access to. Our $10, $25, and $100 tier patrons have access to our Discord, where we communicate with you every day and do watch parties every month, as well as $25 and $100 tier patrons get their own custom episode that you get to pick and we'll do an episode for you hundred dollar tier patrons are executive producers of the show and get a credit at the end of every main episode as well as they get a personal watch party too with us we launched our podcast masterclass online course last year so for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course to give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show the link is podcast masterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website raiders of the lost podcast.com it's right there on the home page thanks so much for tuning in around the world leave those five-star reviews and hit the notifications it's so incredible and wildly original but like you said like with swiss army man you were surprised how emotional and that film made you feel and this movie is like that too because i think there's so many interesting things going on where multiverses we have like superpowers and and traveling dimensions but at the heart of it it's just this really touching warm family drama and it's about acceptance and accepting your your family members for who they are and there's a lot of incredible themes but i think family and finding happiness in your life wherever you are is one of the most important threads of the film so i think even though it's bombastic and there's insane insanity going on in this film it has a great core and a great rock foundation to reference the rock scene. It's just a really great family drama at heart. And I love the the aspect of using a multiverse theme in a smaller budget film because big blockbusters don't have to have a monopoly on multiverses. It's a great new concept that's become very prevalent in uh, modern movies, especially with Marvel and up in DCs coming out with their own multiverse. But I loved seeing it on a small scale. Uh, with just ordinary people involved in the in the multiverse, not superheroes, not superpowered beings. Although Jobu is has superpowers, you could say Jobu Tupaki. Tupaki. Um, but I really loved just like an ordinary woman being mixed up in the multiverse was a really great take on that entire idea of having a multiverse. Yeah, I love the multiverse, and you're right. It's cool to get that in independent film. The visual effects were awesome. All the visual effects for this film was done by nine people, including the two directors, with the majority of the shots being done by a core group of just five people. None of the visual effects team for this movie went to visual effects school or anything. They're all friends who taught themselves with tutorials they found online for free. So YouTube is an immense world of knowledge for anything so that's pretty incredible to hear and i love the we got great fight sequences great science fiction great visual effects excellent acting and what really surprised me about this film was how funny it was especially the first act the family uh the back and forth between all these characters i was cracking up hysterically and the entire crowd was i saw it opening night and the theater was erupting with laughter Mm -hmm. for the entire first 30 minutes it was just i was surprised i think it might be the funniest movie of the year by the end of the year yeah, the, the theater I was in was having a great time, too. And if you ever watch um, interviews with the Daniels, they're they're funny guys. You know what I mean? Both of them are really charismatic. And uh, and I think that's part of what, you know, you talk about separating the art from the artist sometimes. But every now and then there's some filmmakers and artists that are just so down to earth and so lovable that it actually makes me like their art more. And that's the case with the Daniels, for sure. When I watch them talk and you can see the passion that they have for what they do uh, and the people that they work with. 
Um, and I'm just really intrigued by them as people. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're funny though. Like you would definitely hang out with them and you get Mm -hmm. that sense when you're watching the movie. And so this movie also has excellent production elements. Obviously, cinematography is great. It was done by Larkin Seipel, who did Swiss Army Man, Cop Car, Bleed for This. He also did a ton of music videos before he started getting into film. He did music videos for Arcade Fire. He did the very famous music video, This is America, for Childish Gambino, Gary Clark Jr., My My Chemical Romance. So he was working with huge artists, but also music by Son Lux. This was the first film composition he'd ever done. The score is bombastic, erratic experimental and brilliant. It's a great score. Yeah. yeah. But also makeup and costume design. So Michelle Chung and her team, as well as Hiro Yada as lead special effects makeup artist, they went to town. They probably had the most fun they've ever had on a movie before because the, the makeup specifically for Joy was so unique and fun in every different scene that she was in. They got to play around with and experiment so much in the costume design by Shirley Karata. It was all off the charts, really fantastic. I think my favorite sequence of the film, it might be the hallway sequence where we first see Jobu attacking what she's capable of. And I thought it was just so brilliant, the trans- transformations from outfit to outfit. It was both funny and scary and, and just entertaining. Very creative. I love the costuming. Her outfits are really terrific. Some of the highlights of the movie were just seeing what she's going to be in next in it. I love that blend of the fantastical and also like magical realism with contrasting you know this laundromat in this very gritty area of la where evelyn is and so it's con- contrasting the and juxtaposing the fantastical nature of joe boots outfits with evelyn i think was really a highlight of the film i i agree i i love that sequence as well and it everybody was talking about and they still are like the the probability of michelle yo winning an oscar for best actress for this movie and i agree with that wholeheartedly and, uh, you know, Kihi Kwan is, is absolutely crushing it. But um, I don't think people talk enough about Stephanie Su. I think that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. As I believe you, it's show. Is it show? Yeah. So she floored me in this movie. And it's that scene in particular. Because up to this point, she's played this very grounded, very earnest, you know, uh, you know, normal character of a, of a daughter trying to get out from under the thumb of her mother. And it, it, was, all, it was all good. But then there's this bonkers fantastical turn in this scene where she's revealed to be Jobu Tapaki. And I was just like stunned that it was the same person. And it, and then it evolves more times throughout the movie later too. Um, I just think she did an incredible job. Yeah. It seems like a dream performance and and role for a young actor or actress to take. So how about we talk about some of the characters and then get into kind of like the terminology and rules of this movie, because I'm sure some people are still kind of confused by some of the concepts. Sure. So Evelyn Wong played by Michelle Yeoh, is this character who's basically stuck in life. She's the biggest failure of every Evelyn in the entire multiverse. You're the biggest loser. (laughs) (laughs) Which is her greatest strength because since she is the biggest failure and has no passion or hobbies that she's good at, she's able to harness the powers of all the Evelyns across the universe. She never followed any dreams or passions. She followed her husband to America with dreams of a new life. But I think Michelle Yeoh just proved herself to be just a great star. And she was a she was a huge star in China. She was starring in action movies with Jackie Chan and Super Cop, Super Cop, Super Cop yeah. 2. She does a lot of her own stunts. So she's basically just a female version of Jackie Chan. And Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon yeah. was one of the biggest movies of, of the in the world in 2000. Mm-hmm. So she's I'm so happy to see her still getting big roles and just getting worldwide fame again later in her career. And also, yeah, it's great to see an older actress getting a, a Hollywood role that's become a sensation. And I, I, I think the, the whole movie really works and hinges upon the establishing relationship between Evelyn and her family. And because she's a very flawed character who is basically disconnecting from everyone in her life and affecting everyone in a negative way. And it's Evelyn's transformation into someone who begins to relish and feel grateful for what she does have is really the emotional heartbeat of the film and Michelle did an amazing job I think she should get nominated for an Oscar absolutely and I would be totally happy with her winning I think she's the best lead performance for an actress so far this year and but Evelyn is really what makes the movie work I agree yeah she's the the linchpin of it but then I think some of the thematic elements um and really like ultimately what the movie wants to say hinges on uh, Kihi Kwan's character um, I think uh, I took so much from this movie and I don't know I know we you guys said it's cool if we bounce around a lot but it, it's oh, so yeah. overwhelming for me as a person who constantly worries about uh, what could have been what I could be and the choices that I've made in life right because 
Um, I don't know how much you guys know about me, but I'm in recovery. I've been sober for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So I made choices early on in life, right? And uh, drinking too much and and doing things. I I was a pretty precocious, smart kid headed for, uh, I wanted to be an English professor, publish novels, you know, travel the world, do all these things, um, eventually sell a screenplay. Like that was my plan, right? Um, And then I had drank myself into uh, a spot in life where like none of that was possible. None of that was going to happen. I was homeless. It was like a whole thing, right? Uh, but still, even today, like now that my life's going so well, I'm married, I have kids, everything's going great. I got my hobbies, you know, I've got lots of friends, things are, I'm safe, I'm healthy. But I look back and I look at like the forks in the road and like, you know, I've got friends that went to MIT and they're doing incredible things now. Other friends that are working for Xbox in Seattle and and I'm just like, man, what what could have happened, you know? And then watching this movie uh, and they do that Wong Kar Wai bit with Ki Hwai yeah. And the move for love, yeah. And he's like, I would, I would have loved in another universe to just do taxes and laundry with you. You know what I mean? That destroyed me because I have this like insatiable urge for grandiosity that bothers me all the time. But I have this incredible life. I got two puppies down there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like people would kill to have those puppies. Um, I should be so happy and content all the time. You know what I mean? I think that's ultimately one of the many beautiful themes of this movie that just, I, I honestly can't stop thinking about ever since I saw I also, it. Yeah, I also took that away because we live in this modern world and we're on social media and we're seeing all these, especially on social media and Instagram and TikTok, all these basically filtered lives where it looks like other people are living extraordinary lives and makes you feel a little depressed and negative about your life and also makes you question things. And it yeah. feels like what you have is never enough at times. And that's what Evelyn's feeling in the first act of the movie. And then Wayman, like you said, he really reveals to her and makes her understand that it's okay that you made mistakes and it's okay that you made bad decisions in your past. But even I've made bad decisions, but I'm happy just to be here with you, Evelyn. And I'm happy regardless of what we're doing. I'm just happy to be here with you and with our family. And and this is enough. This laundromat that's failing and being audited and our, our life's kind of hectic and a mess. But this is still more than enough for me to be happy. Yeah, Wayman's probably the the key for Evelyn to just accept her reality and accept her fate. You know, he has, we have the husband version who is very passive and defeated and just is kind of like a yes man, but just wants to be happy and everyone to be kind and, and be happy. And then the alpha Wayman, he's very strong. He never married Joy, and right? And then there's the other Wayman who they didn't get married. And because she didn't follow that Wayman to America, she ended up becoming a world famous actress and movie star, martial artist, a female version of Bruce Lee. And so, when you like what Chris was just talking about, when you like think back about the things in your life, like what kind of paths could your life have taken? And then, if you just stayed in this relationship or you did diff- this little thing differently, what would your life look like now? But really, it's important to just realize the path that you're on and accept where you are. And that's kind of the role of Wayman in the in the film is to help ground Evelyn to realize that, like Anthony just said, that your life is enough and it's important to just be happy with where you are, accept your family, accept your daughter, even though, you know, Evelyn grew up being a disappointment to her father, never living up to his expectations. Ironically, Joy never lives up to Evelyn's harsh expectations, which is just she takes out everything her father did to her, maybe the unhappiness she has on her life, on her daughter, on her daughter Joy, which is not fair. She won't introduce Joy's girlfriend to her grandfather and is just constantly disappointed in Joy saying, you're getting fat, you have to stop, you have to eat healthier and stuff like that mm-hmm. and just kind of just berating her and always putting her down, even though she loves her and wants the best for her. She like She needs to break the chain of this vicious cycle of the parenting that she grew up with and then she's become her father in a lot of ways. And accept so, that the yeah. world's changing yeah. and you it, have to change with it. And I really, I love the depiction of the different variants in this film and all the different Evelyns we see, the other Wayman, I think Alpha Wayman is so funny. But I, I love like sequences like the Rakakui sequence is just so Rakakuni. freaking funny and the martial arts sequence. And what the Daniels were able to do was because the multiverse you have unlimited possibilities. So they're able to mash in all these different genres, even if it was just a little bit of screen time, homages to uh, great films of the past. And so the multiverse gave them a great palette to work with in terms of we can really pack this full of references, different genres and fun scenes that we love from other films and really weave it into the story in an amazing way that feels fresh and feels like it's not, it's not overwhelming and it suits the story. 
Absolutely. And I think they have so many tools at their disposal because you talked a little bit about, I think it was the DP, but the, the Daniels come from a, a music video background as well. Like that's where they got their start. They, um, they did the, the turn down for what music video, which is oh, no way. <laughs> uh, right before Swiss army man was made. And uh, they've worked with foster the people, all kinds of places. So because of the music videos being so frenetic and crazy and they have an animation background as well. So they're used to animating. Um, so I think the animation background and the music video background and, and being used to using all of these different tools from their toolkit in one small project uh, makes this like the idea of doing a multiverse project for them just the perfect storm um, to use everything that they know how to do. And they literally get a chance to do that in this in this movie, just a little piece of everything, all of their influences, all their skills. Um, and it's really incredible to watch. And the fact that it all came together and made any sense whatsoever is <laughs> a phenomenal achievement. For sure. It's so cool how many uh, really talented and creative directors started out as music directors and video directors. Like, obviously, Spike Jones working with Jackass, but then doing a ton of music videos, and he still does some here and there, but turned into a, a phenomenal director. And David Fincher started as doing music yeah. videos and commercials. And it's just really interesting, the directors who Michelle moved from music Gondry videos. As well. Yeah, move on to film, and then they, they are some of the most creative and interesting and maybe the most brave uh, voices in film because of the risks that they got to take doing music videos because music videos the, like one of the main objectives of a music video is to make something crazy that no one's ever seen before you have to keep people engaged for four minutes with the song and you want to connect them with always thinking of this music video when they hear that song and have a great cerebral experience and so i think because they get to so much creative freedom with music videos it just expands in film yeah i and a24 had a really wonderful marketing campaign we we love their marketing department and how they make their logo fit with the theme or main symbols of whatever movie they're promoting. And especially this film with the trailer, excellent trailer. I like the slow release. It helps build momentum mm -hmm. starting out in a few theaters. I think it, when we when I saw it, it was only in maybe four screens across the country. Yeah, uh, it only had 500,000 yeah. opening weekend. One, one of the benefits of living in an LA is you always get to right. see the first release of even That's independent films. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when I saw it, it was nobody had seen it yet. So it was great to have that. And the word of mouth really helped build the momentum for the film, which is which helped lead it into a wider release and becoming a huge success. And the googly eyes, the googly eyes in the posters, uh, to see in the trailers and the marketing, it was such a, a fun, unique thing. We connect to our childhood and just being artistic and craftsy. And then to see that in this film, I think it was just a wonderful symbol to have in the movie. Yeah, plus the martial arts sequences yeah. and the, the lighting changes and, and variations. The trailer was really excellent, excellent because they showed the sequence of, of Evelyn going through every dimension while she's just on static on camera and every different version of Evelyn is flashing by us every, mm -hmm. every frame. So mm -hmm. that was in the trailer too. So great marketing and great trailers. Yeah, I was sucked into a bagel the first time I saw that trailer. <laughs> For sure. I was like, I, that's, that's, I got to see that. Bagel. Right <laughs> in the bagel. And everything bagel. stuck in my head for months. <laughs> uh, that's a banger <laughs> how about we talk about kind of the rules of the universe and the multiverse so that we can ground like the rules of this of this movie together so Let's everyone listening can understand if they are a little confused about it. so the universe and the rules there are infinite universes in timelines we've all been exposed to this in the mcu obviously there's in this film there is universe jumping so someone can jump from one timeline into the body version of, of another version of themselves in another universe there's a version of you that can basically do anything and everything throughout the infinite universe. So you can always find someone with any kind of ability and skill. Certain kind of skill, yeah. Uh, the headsets is this technology that allows, like if you're doing something random, it allows you to shift into a neighboring timeline and gain the abilities and skills of that version of yourself. You can't be present in only one universe when doing this uh, act of traveling different dimensions. But with practice, as we find out in the film from Wayman, you can focus on one version of yourself in the multiverse while using the abilities from the other person. There's the Alphaverse. The Alphaverse in the film is the first universe that made contact with other universes. That's where Alpha Wayman is from. Uh, universe jumping is the act of temporary linking one's consciousness, consciousness to another version of himself or herself in a different universe and accessing all emotions, memories, and skills in the process. Uh, there are different universes which show how decisions affect life paths. For example, not going with Wayman to America, Evelyn becomes a world-famous action movie star. So there's all sorts of cool abilities and sci-fi technology going on in this film. And that's what creates Jobu because she ends up 
being able to connect with the infinite um, numbers or variants of herself at any time. Yeah, so that's so what gives her the ability to access any version of herself at any given moment, which yeah. no one else had achieved. And, and then Evelyn, throughout the course of the film, learns to develop that power and skill as well. And so how was Jopu Tubaki formed from Joy? Um, she was being trained by Alpha Evelyn. She was being pushed to the limits by her until her mind broke and she gained access to all realities and all abilities of herself at all times. So everything, everywhere, all at once refers to the powers of Joy or Jobu Tubaki, which Evelyn is able to eventually uh, achieve. And Jobu Tupaki has been destroying timeline by timeline, one by one, because basically in living in the state of everything everywhere all at once, she believed believes life has no meaning. Yeah, I think that Jobu is a great metaphor for, um, you know, being disconnected from other people, being disconnected from the world around us. I think um, technology and social media is disconnecting us from the actual real world and what's in front of us and the people around us. So I think that that's definitely one of the main themes that the Daniels were talking about in this film with Jobu because you think that she just wants to destroy everything because she's evil, but she has been seeking an Evelyn that is like her so that she can ask this mother version of Evelyn, who's also connected to the multiverse, uh, help me find meaning in in my life because now that I'm connected to everything, I've lost, uh, I've ironically lost connection to everything. I thought it was a really great metaphor in the film. Yeah, I, I, it, I adore it so much because ultimately Alpha Joy was turned into Jobu Tapaki, this this super villain, by her mother pushing her too hard, right? Uh, in the Alpha universe, and that's really the the central theme of the movie with you know, the, the Evelyn and Joy that we know. Uh, but also we think that that Jobu Tupaki is destroying the multiverse and just going on this rampage. And we find out she's actually looking for someone to help her. She's trying to find the version of her mother that can uh, emulate the journey she took and maybe find a more hopeful answer than the one she's come up with, right? So it's ultimately her begging for help that... So anyway, any way you shake it, there's so many layers to this that can be a beautiful message for you in your own life. Um, and it's it's exciting because everything is so niche about it on the one hand because uh, it's it talk, it's, a, it's a lot about queerness it's a lot about um, em- immigrant families in America and obviously we're three white dudes right so that's like you know we can <laughs> we love those stories but at the same time um, you know we can't really speak on that experience and yet there's so much universality lol to uh, <laughs> to this movie as well and the themes of this movie that there's I don't know there's just so much for everybody uh, it's really an incredible achievement. Yeah, because we're third generation Americans, so we haven't seen exactly firsthand experience what it's like for your family to come here and be the set, the first generation born in the country. Yeah, if, if your family's more traditional, if they're emigrating from a different country, yeah. But, but it's really important to tell those stories. And this film, I think some of the biggest themes are nihilism versus finding meaning in life and even anarchy's in there too. So so Joy and Jobu Tubaki is just filled with meaninglessness. And, and you can understand why she feels like that because she lost her connection to her mother and she has no connection to her mother. That's what causes her to feel that. And that's why Wayman is such a, an important character because he's the the person that helps Evelyn realize that you have to find happiness where you are and you shouldn't just want and long for a different life, but you have to find happiness where you are. And that's where, you know, she uses the googly eyes, which is basically the the opposite or the the cure to the everything bagel. The googly eyes, you know, when she puts it on her forehead, that's when she's found joy in life in every situation, in every universe. She's she finally found joy. sees. She finally sees. She accepts her daughter finally for who she is in every universe and every multiverse. And that's why she doesn't want to fight anymore. And she ends up using her abilities to, to subdue everybody in silly ways because she doesn't want to kill anybody. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. She doesn't want to fight. She just wants her daughter. And she just wants to be happy in the laundromat with Wayman and her daughter again. She, so, she learns to fight yeah. like Wayman. She learns to... To fight with kindness. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the fight sequences after our intermission. Oh, yeah. Let's head on into yeah. intermission. Because the, the fight scenes are some of the best scenes, but let's get into the intermission first. Raiders of the Lost podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in men's grooming. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout from manscaped.com to receive 20% off your entire order and free shipping worldwide. They have a bunch of new products that I would love to talk to you about. For example, their Boxers 2.0, which they just launched. They sent Auntie and I a couple pairs each. And I got to tell you, these are the most ridiculously comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn in my entire life. I want to get so much more of them, so use our coupon code to get some discounts on that. They also just released their Platinum 4.0 collection, which is their best deal yet. and includes the following products. 
Their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which we've been telling you about for so long, it is like a rocket ship for your grooming needs. The Weed Whacker and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Deodorants, Anti-Chafing Deodorants, Ball Spray Toner, Boxers, and a Shed Travel Bag. These are some of the best grooming products you can find on the market. Use our coupon code RAIDERS of the lost at checkout from manscaped.com you'll get 20 percent off your entire order and free shipping worldwide this show is also sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com the number one place to get your posters online today use our special promo code raiders 10 to get 10 percent off your order today they have a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and tv show imaginable in their arsenal as well as all sorts of sizes framing and backlighting for your poster needs Again, head on over to movieposters.com and use our special promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order today. Now, how about we begin with our movie quotes competition? Sounds good. I'll go first, guys. Go for it. This is uh, two characters talking. What should we drink to, sir? Down with Hitler. All the way down, sir. (laughs) I know this. That's Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, Michael yes, Fassbender and, uh, and uh, what's his Mike name? Myers. Mike Myers, yeah. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. <laughs> great, great scene. I thought you said get Michael Myers masks. These are Mike Myers masks. <laughs> Baby driver. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my quote. Who are we if we can't protect them? We have to protect them. Oh, I know this. Who are we if we can't protect them? I. I don't know it, I don't think. I think it's a quiet place. Correct. Nice. Emily Blunt's character, also named Evelyn. Oh no way! <laughs> Good way. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you got? <laughs> All right, I got. Okay, let's use this one because I, I brought two just in case. Let's use this one. What's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? That is Anton Sugar. No Country for Old Men. Don't put it in your pocket. Put it in your pocket. Don't put it in your pocket. <laughs> otherwise, it becomes just a coin, which, which it, it is. is. Um, <laughs> what's your other quote? Yeah, let's hear them both. Let's do this one. Yeah, this one's fun. If you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. Huh, that's a good one. Um, if you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. That's actually facts. <laughs> and, and it's facts. <laughs> the original. Um, I don't know. I'm stumped. Yeah, I'm stumped. That's from Swiss Army Man. Oh. I had like this little thematic thing I wanted to play. Great, I like it. Yeah. When he's showing well, the body. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually do themed intermission, so all of mine are Killian Murphy questions this, this week. Nice. Yeah. All right. Guess this movie release year, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Sunshine. I'm going to say 2007. What about Ooh, you, Chris? That would have been my guess. So I'm going right, to go. We... I'm going to do. You can guess it, too. You can guess it, too. You guess sure? It. What if we're... Yeah. 2007. It's not Price is Right rules. It's yeah. Fine. I was gonna do 2006. <laughs> I was gonna do Price is Right rules. 2007.5. <laughs> 2001. Can you imagine me having to guess first? Then someone's like 2001. I'd be like, go f yourself. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and they win the larger. They win. They win a car. <laughs> like you mother effer. It is 2007. Hey. All right. Hey. Air five. Air five. Nice job, guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. Guess this movie release here. Red Eye. Ooh. With uh, Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams. Wes Craven movie. I'm going to say 2009. Chris? 2003? It is 2005. Oh, same year as Batman Begins. Yeah, same year as Batman Begins. We, We sandwiched it. Nice try, guys. Nice try. <laughs> All right, Chris, your turn. Okay. Uh, Duncan Jones, Moon. Love this movie. I'm going 2000 and... Uh, 2011. 2000 and... Let's see. Source code, I think, was like 2011, wasn't it? I don't know. Was it? <laughs> I'm going 2009 again. It was 2009. Yeah, let's go. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, one. I think Source Code was 2011, 2012. Yeah, that's a great movie too. They're both are. They're both awesome. I think movies. Have you seen Source Code? I actually haven't. So oh, check doing, it out. It's, it's really it's good. It's really phenomenal. It's yeah, terrific. I was doing a big time loop project and that came uh-huh. up and people were yeah. like shocked that I hadn't seen that. Highly recommended. It's really, it's really, really one great. of the most underrated sci-fi movies of the last 20 years. Well, so is in Moon. Moon's yeah, incredible. Moon's too. I think that's a masterpiece. I like Source Code better. 
Really? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, you get you get to have your own opinions. They're all valid. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, movie pop quiz time, guys. You ready? I'm scared. Ready. What movie does Michelle Yeoh appear in with Brendan Fraser and Jet Li? Brendan Fraser, Jet Li, and Michelle Yeoh. Interesting. The Brendan Fraser's throwing me way off. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. I figured, this, I figured me this would be a stumper because of that. You'd be like, <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. I got don't, this. Don't say it out loud. I got it. I don't got it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the Mummy Three. Yes, the Tomb yeah. of the Dragon Tomb of the Emperor. Dragon Emperor yeah. Oh yeah. Jet Li is the main villain. Does bl- that's yeah. pretty much Brendan Fraser's like last big action movie. Yeah, yeah I blocked I like. the Mummy Three out of my contest. Yeah. <laughs> I actually never saw it. I seen it. It's, it's all right. I remember. Uh, I remember the other two actors from the trailer. Yeah, it's and all they, right. They also recast Rachel Vice with Maria Maria Bello. And uh, the second mummy isn't even amazing either. I think it's great. It's pretty good. It's, the, fun. it's nothing close to it's the first fun. one. It's the first fun. mummy. Yeah, the, the first, first mummy. Iconic. It'll never come close. But, like that. Those movies don't get made anymore, man. That is a, a, such a good movie. A film treasure. Yeah. Love it. Okay, here's my quiz question. Killian Murphy co-starred in the film adaptation of what famous true-to-life story, which was written into a world-famous novel? So it was a novel before the movie? So, so the movie's not based on the novel. It's based on the story that inspired the novel. Okay. And it's a true story? It's a true story. So it's not Batman Begins. It's, it's not. not <laughs> it's not 28 Days Later. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, I hope. I haven't been to Europe hmm. yet. Um, <laughs> I think That's a good question. News. Killian Murphy. Co-stars. He's a co-star. And it's a very famous novel, but the movie's based not on the novel, but on the story that inspired the novel. It's a very famous novel. And the novel novel came first? The novel came first. The novel is old. It's an old novel. Hmm. But the novel, a lot of people don't know, is based on a real story that the writer fictionized. Fictionalized. Fictionalized. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm I'm going through... Killian Murphy filmography in my head, and I'm coming up with nothing that checks these boxes. I'm going through Killian Murphy IMDb. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the heart of the sea, oh. which ins- which is a story that inspired Moby Dick. Oh, God, Ron Howard's famous film. book. Yeah, Ron Howard's film. Oh, he's yeah. in. I've never yeah. seen that movie. It's him and him and Hemsworth are the two leads. I didn't know. He- I haven't I've seen, never that seen that movie. Movie either. Oh well, you should. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's pretty good. It's again. a good one. It's it's pretty good. good. All right, like Chris, it. what's your pop quiz? I like movies. Okay. This, is, this was a fun one. <laughs> you might have seen this because I did a video on this like uh, a year ago or so. Uh, anyway, only three films have ever won the big five. No. <laughs> oh, I, I know it. I know right, it. Right, right, right. I know it. Yeah. Did you guys already we, do this Sorry, question? sorry. Do, do you want to explain what the big five is? Yeah, just sorry. in case your <laughs> listeners don't know. So the big five Oscars are best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best screenplay, either original or adapted. So you have to have all right. won all five. Sands of the Lambs, lambs. Uh-huh. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh-huh. and Hulk. It came at night. It came at night. Is it? Yeah, it came. It, it, it comes it, at. No, it came. It happened at night. It happened one night. It happened, it happened one, one night. night. Yeah. Yes. It happened one night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 1934. Yeah. I just think that's that's fun. That's no, fun. That's a great question. And we've. we've been asked that before. Uh, it's something we can never remember the title of. It happened one night. The third one. Yeah. The other two are no problem. I always forget right. the title. It happened one night. Yeah. It happened yeah, one night. from 1934. It's just fascinating to me that it hasn't happened since 1991, Silence of the yeah. Lambs. It's a tough thing you know? to pull True, off. True, but there's so many more movies that are made every year and a True. lot of really great ones. But yeah, yeah it, and Sarah, we got it right, Sarah. And yeah. best actor, you have to have like uh, opposite sex roles that are diametrically opposed in a movie. Yeah. It's just it's kind of rare, you know? True. Also, a great script. Yeah, the scripts are really important in the. In and then the you talent. get to win director. The director, like you really need a, a phenomenal. Like Sons and Lambs, one of the best movies of all time. Jonathan Demme, such an underrated director. And then even like Return of the King, it won eleven Oscars, but like it didn't win any acting Oscars. Which yeah. is, su- I, Sean Austin should have won something for that entire trilogy. He was yeah, so good. Andy Circus. Andy yeah. Circus. Yeah. I mean, but the if, reason I wanted this trivia question is I think everything everywhere could do it. It's possible. It could. I, I believe it wholeheartedly. If it doesn't win Best Original Screenplay, then there's there's no justice, right? And then I think Kihi Kwan and Michelle Yeoh could both win. You think he'll uh, get the, the supporting actor or, suppo- or I'm not sure lead if he's actor? A lead. I feel like he might get supporting actor nomination instead of lead. 
He may. He I could wonder. be. He could be a lead. It depends on what they campaign for yeah. and what they submit him for. All, yeah. True. Also, it depends. I mean, we don't. I, we haven't seen the the slot of November December releases. I think it'd be none of the Oscar bait films have even come out. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Bad and also uh, Austin Butler is being heralded as a as a front runner for lead actor after Elvis. Did apparently, you see Elvis yet? I, we're gonna see it this week, but apparently, he's really just outstanding in the film, I've and he's right now. Well. Everyone, I've been all the reviews I'm saying I'm seeing are people are saying it's the it's unbelievable performance. So it looks like he might be the front runner for lead actor. Yeah, so I think for Kihi Kwan, it'd be probably his best bet in the studio's best bet to submit supporting. him for supporting actor because mm-hmm. the screen time is maybe might not be there for for him to get the lead actor over someone like Austin Butler or another lead well, performance. You know? I would counter that Anthony Hopkins won. Anthony best Hopkins actor got lead actor. True, for like true. I know. Yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah it, was, yeah. it was like seventeen but minutes. Yeah, he got lead actor. So maybe not screen time, but yeah. So you're wrong. But I think it'd be safer. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's probably still right. I just want to throw that no, wrench so, in there. So the, the, they might go supporting actor for the Globes because that happens a lot where they'll think it might be an easier category for their actor to win. Studios will do that. Mm-hmm. They might like he's it. terrific in yeah. the movie. So I mean, we'll and see, they might we'll even see. put they might even put um, it up for comedy or musical. That I mean, The Martian won Matt Damon Best Actor in a Comedy or yeah. Musical. <laughs> That's true <laughs> for a Globe. Um, we'll find out, yeah, but well, it's yeah. pretty interesting to see which one he'll be nominated for. Mm-hmm. I don't think a movie could do that. I don't think a movie could win it ever <laughs> again. Honestly, maybe we'll I don't see. think an, I don't think a movie could ever do it again. The Big, the big five. five. That's my that's my view. And yeah. I never say never. We'll see. We'll have to see. All right, uh, Anthony, who is our biggest hater of the week? Do we have any unsubscribes? What's going on over there on that front? We have some. Some some for sure? Yeah. Some. <laughs> I'm the guy who does this job. We got one. <laughs> this is a funny must one. Be the other guy. <laughs> so we had an a upload problem. when we're making, We made a transition into a different hosting platform, and unfortunately we're not able to post our traditional Thursday episode this past Thursday, so we had to post our Stranger Things Seasons 1 through 3 uh, review on Friday instead of Thursday. And then Kiefer Ott wrote, Episode loaded up on a Friday and not a Thursday. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked me up. Yeah, we had some uh, issues getting our, our podcast onto Spotify, but video podcasts are working, so we will yeah. be slowly updating all the episodes to get yeah. video podcasts up, and everything looks like it's going well now. Yeah. Finally, we had a hectic uh, 48 hours. And we have a Godfather patron to shout out today. Who is it today? Ryan Matthew Donaldson. Thank Ryan. you so much for being a Godfather patron. We made you an offer. You couldn't On the day of our daughter's wedding, you became a patron. So we appreciate your support. Uh, Patreon really helps us do the show full time. So every patron is very much welcome to be a part of our membership. And especially, Ryan, for being a Godfather tier. We appreciate you so much. Now, Ryan has a really interesting selection for uh, their bonus episode. They asked to do a spotlight of Ray of Ray Harryhausen, who is a legendary animator and special effects artist, paved the way for a lot of stop motion. He made um, like the Argonauts movie and um, Legend, um, the Creature from Black Lagoon. So oh, nice! A lot of great classical stop motion animation. He was uh, he paved the way for that in, in film. So excellent be a choice, fun spotlight episode. Can't wait to talk about that. Thank you again, Ryan. Thank you for being a Godfather. We appreciate you so much. Now, on this day in film history, today is June thirtieth in nineteen twenty-five. Charles Jenkins is granted the U.S. patent for transmitting pictures over wireless, which was early television. In 1971, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is released. In 1995, Apollo 13 is released. In 1989, The Karate Kid Part 3 is released. In 1993, The Firm is released. In 2000, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle is released. In 2004, (laughs) Spider-Man 2 is released. In 2008, Mamma Mia premieres and The Devil Wears Prada is released. In 2010, the classic Twilight Saga Eclipse is released. In 2015, Scream is released. In 2016, <laughs> the BFG. We're in the summer. There's a lot of releases. The Big Friendly yeah. Giant is released. And happy birthday to Vincent D'Onofrio, Mike Tyson, and Lizzie Kaplan. My streaming recommendation is actually going to be for June, July 1st, starting on HBO Max. Last Night in Soho will be on the platform. Oh, cool. Good, good snag by Warner Brothers. My streaming recommendation is... Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Season six just dropped in America on Netflix. So uh, and it's excellent. I'm three episodes in so far. It's one of my season, favorite seasons of the show. We're big fans of it. You all know. So if you haven't caught up yet, now's the time to do so. Uh, Peaky Blinders is one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Just throwing so that in there. But my streaming recommendation is a movie called The Outfit. 
it's available on Peacock Premium, but I rented it for like five bucks. So I, th- I think it's well worth that as well. Just for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, because I think it's kind of flying under the radar. It's got Mike Rylance, uh, Zoe Deutsch, uh, Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Super fun, like uh, uh, one location movie. I loved it. And the guy who wrote Imitation Game made that, right? Wrote and yeah, directed it's that. his first, it's his directorial debut for feature yeah, films, so right? Congratulations for him for that because he won an Oscar for the Imitation Game, and that is an excellent script and a really excellent movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch. And Mark Rylance is really just one of the best actors alive. He's so good. And I, so good. I feel like yeah. Steven Spielberg really blew him up to like mainstream audiences i feel like with the post well he was a stage actor all his life and he never really wanted to get into film um he had been in a few roles here and there was it the then, post he won the oscar for the post uh no no, no that's bridge of spies sorry, bridge he of, won the oscar for bridge of spies, bridge of spies I'm sorry. which is a really terrific film he's uh he's been in the last uh few spielberg movies he was in ready player one he was not in the post but he was also in the bfg he played the giant yeah so. he's the uh the guy who made who made the program in ready player one yeah that's yeah, right yeah. the the holiday the, yeah, holiday. Yeah, holiday. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's get back into everything, everywhere, all at once. And fights. The first time yeah. I saw this, well, actually, do you want to talk about fights first? Well, what were you going to say? I was going to say it reminded me of a great Jet Li sci-fi movie. Oh, the one. So the one. Have you ever seen the one? <laughs> yes. And I love that movie. Yeah. And me and Anthony always joked we about the one. that as a kid. Because in yeah. the movie, the one, if you haven't seen it yet, you can travel dimensions. And if you kill the, a person, another version of yourself in a different dimension, you harness their strength, which basically can turn and it into it like. It spreads to everyone that's still alive. Yeah, so everyone yeah. gets a dispersion of the abilities and powers and strength of the person you just killed in the multiverse. And so then you get stronger and stronger. In the film, there's basically two Jet Li characters left the, the honorable good one who's a cop on the main earth and then an evil one who's going through the galaxy and the universe to kill all the other versions of himself to be the one and have the most power in the universe. Yeah, basically and a this, mix of this movie and like Highlander. Yeah. yeah so it, yeah. The, it reminded me of that so much because me and Anthony were always like, what, I, what if I killed you because we're twins, would I get your strength <laughs> and I, would I harness your power and abilities? Yeah. yeah. Jason, Jason Statham's in that movie. Yeah, too. you're right. He's yeah. like his partner. He, no, he, he's a cop. He's a oh, multiverse, multiverse, multiverse police cop. <laughs> so it's really cool. It's actually, it's a little cheesy, but, we saw it was like 2002, so we were young, and we we loved Jet Li yeah. growing up. He's one of our favorite actors. We saw all of his movies, and that was one of my favorites of his movies. Yeah, so like the cool thing about it is even though the multiverse, the concept of it is blowing up, and it's become common in films, whether it be the MCU and DCEU and in Just know Jet like Li this. did it first. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because it's been around. Yeah. But to get to see a, a movies in the concept of the multiverse getting so much attention in mainstream and pop culture is really cool and fun. And so the MCU kind of made it digestible for mainstream audiences to understand the multiverse, to make a movie like this possible for a lot of people to enjoy. Like, they really, like, simplified the formula, explained it really well in those MCU movies, and it really set the stage for this movie to take off, I think. So perfect timing. Yeah, really, really good timing. And one of my favorite aspects of the film are the fight sequences, because not only are they really well choreographed, but they really managed to blend great humor in all of the fight sequences. And it, it's really terrific. Yeah. Like uh, the dildo fight. <laughs> the dildo <laughs> fight is ridiculous. <laughs> I was dying and it was just so much fun Wait, because which, you saw... Which dildo fight? So I, I'm... The one the, with the, the dildo stuck in the guy's butts. So that's like a butt plug, right? Yeah, butt plug. So yeah. where well, was it? Like it, was on, it was on her... Yeah, it was on Deirdre's got... desk, right? Yeah, she had three yeah. of them on her desk. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when, we're, when we're watching that scene, the first time they're at the, um, the IRS in... Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Deirdre, she's investigating them and going through their paperwork. I was looking. I saw it with a friend, and we were looking. We were just like, we saw the the trophies on the background on her desk, and we kind of whispered to them each other. I was like, I was like, does that look like a butt plug to you? <laughs> yeah. We end up discovering they are in fact definitely, and it ended up working and tying into that fight sequence so well. It was hysterical. And then when Evelyn and the guy first like they they fight to see who can get to the butt plug first. I was dying laughing that She's whole trying fight. trying to stop him from getting yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. As, soon as, as soon as that fight scene started and you understand the rules of, like, if you do something random, you get the powers of somebody else in a different universe. You're like, he's going to jump on top of that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny. It was terrific. And, but there's and then another just see these, fight where, yeah. where Joy has those two giant dongs. So I didn't know which one. Oh, yeah, one yeah, you, yeah. I didn't know which one you were talking about. And she beating up all the security guards with him. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked... Uh, Wayman's fight with the fanny pack. I thought that was so yeah. cool and unique and interesting. And I know um, he, Quan, was a little disappointed because he wanted to like do like 
like kicks and fists. He's like, I'm, I'm like trained. I've been, I can like fight for real. He's a choreographer, and, like, and I'm a choreographer. Yeah, yeah and, I, and so I, I know martial arts. So like, I, are you guys sure you don't want me to throw in some punches and kicks? And the Daniels are like, no, we just want to use the fanny pack. Yeah. So, but then when he saw the footage, he's like, wow, that's actually really incredible. It's very funny. And when he just makes it heavier and heavier, and then the final time he fills it up, and the the guard looks at him like, oh shit, and then he <laughs> whacks him in the face. It's fun. Like, yeah. when have you ever seen a fanny cat? A fanny pack is a weapon, and it really harkens back to kind of the slip slapstick martial arts of Jackie Chan and how he made that so famous and kind of kind yeah. of coined it in his career where using fun tools Charlie as Chaplin martial arts. Fighting. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's really cool how like I think they were just like referencing Jackie Chan with that entire fight sequence and actually the Daniels originally wrote the script with Jackie Chan in mind for the lead role. Ultimately, Daniels considered the leading role to be played by a woman feeling a husband and wife relationship was more convincing, and the role went to Michelle Yeoh. And Michelle's an experienced fighter, so she's perfect for the role. And speaking of references, did anyone else catch the Super Smash Brothers sound effect? Yeah, the the bat! (laughs) Yeah, the bat sound effect. No. When she she used her pinky to launch the guy up, um, they do the Super Smash Brothers... Yeah, I tweeted yeah. that after I saw the movie. I was reviewing it. I'm like, did I? Am I the only one who heard the Super Smash Brothers bat yeah. in this movie? It was terrific. So many great little Easter egg moments like that for just pop culture references. Yeah, I, I really adored it. The, the fights were so much fun, and they were different from what you usually saw. And what was really impressive is the Daniels utilized that office building really well. A lot of the movie takes place like in the hallways and different rooms in the main office area of that building, and I believe it's in L.A. somewhere. But I, I, I read that like. Over 60% of the entire film was shot in that space, but they used it really well. And I thought it was really smart to keep the budget low, shoot in as few areas as possible, and it really worked for the production. Yeah, you're right. There are not not that many sets, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis was hysterical, uh, terrific character. When she goes alpha mode, like evil mode, I was just cracking up. She was great. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Not to mention, they just got so creative with what you could do with the multiverse, with the infinite possibilities of what a world could look like, what people could be like. I mean, the hot dog fingers was so disturbing and weird and silly and fun at the same time as just being very creative and just like going with it, like screw it. And now it's just such a memorable, memorable part of the film. I'm sure this Halloween we can expect to see a ton of hot dog fingers costumes at parties and bars and stuff uh-huh. and also things like Rakakuni referencing ratatouille like a universe like that with the raccoon controlling the head of the chef yeah. under the hat so funny do you guys know who voiced Rakakuni? no I'll, I'll give you a hint they are um a, a major uh voice in the toy story world not a character is it um i knew the this piggy, the piggy bank no, not a character, but oh, their voice is in the Toy Story world. Like a well-known actor? I didn't, I didn't say actor. I'm just oh. saying their voice is in, their voice is in. Is in essential to Toy Story. The, the music. Voice. Oh, oh is it the yeah. guy who sings? Uh, what's his name? Randy Newman. Randy, Randy Newman. Newman? He oh, voiced, yeah, you're right. He, he voiced Rakakuni. Yeah. Got a friend. Which is just like the fun. That sequence, was, it, I died when um when she walked into the kitchen and they were discovered. And, and they, it was so funny. <laughs> I think that was like, like we got to kill her. We got to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> and then she I jumps on his head. So much money to watch that with Patton fight. Oswalt. Like, <laughs> he's such a film aficionado, but also like like the joy he probably experienced uh, being mm. referenced. And I don't know. I just I would have paid a lot of money. I don't Terrific. have much, but I would have paid everybody. Yeah. All that that, I, I think have. that was my favorite sequence where Raccoon shows up and they're she's on top of his head, controlling him to run after the car. He's like, let's yeah. get your raccoon or yeah. get, get, we yeah, get yeah. your raccoon it was back. So funny. It was so funny. So they were just being out there and so creative and i think also the makeup that they do on jobu tubaki in the in the wardrobe mm-hmm. and especially that lot that layer that she's created like the all-white temple with the everything bagel and because the movie is so absurdist and out there the concept of just having an everything bagel serving as the concept and vehicle for the destruction of the entire multiverse by turning it into a black hole and it's just an everything bagel it's just so fun 
and it fits with the mood of the movie. Yeah, it fits the tone and the comedy and the humor. It's, they really crafted a great, unique tone with the film that is you can't really pinpoint it, and you've never seen it before. And that's so hard to do, you know, in 2022. Uh, just completely craft something that's, uh, you know, references so many wonderful, like, film styles and types in other movies, but at the same time is so fresh and so new and it's so inventive. Uh, it's really hard to pull off. And, and they did it. They did it. They did it. And like you said, it's just, it's so emotional, especially by the third act and the finale. And when Evelyn and Joy finally have that heart to heart and there's that embracement and they're both crying and it's such a great cathartic moment. Like it's, you feel that and you, you feel so happy that Evelyn has, who's gone through this crazy adventure is finally embracing what's important in life and uh, accepting what she already has as being enough for her and i just really adored the, the whole movie is a yeah. cathartic yeah. moment and it makes you like reflect on your life and try to live your life in a in a more positive and in in happy way and filled with joy and finding the the silver linings in your situations in your life and trying not to worry about you know mistakes you've made in your past and where your life path has taken because we've all wanted to wish we could go back in time and do things differently but you are where you are now and it's important to just appreciate it and live in joy and accept the people around you, accept, you know, your family members for who they are. And like I said, just change with the world because even though they're trying to supposedly protect the grandfather from getting upset by not telling them about uh, Joy's girlfriend, he's got he's to change with the world too. Mm-hmm. You know, the world's changing. You got to move with it. And you got to adapt. And, and I think that's just one of the great messages of the film as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I love the googly eyes so much because I think you can take it in so many ways and they're all apt because uh, I think it works on the surface layer like his character Wayman's just goofy and that's how he gets through life is just kind of you know being uh, being a goofball and and not taking things too seriously right and the movie itself doesn't quite take itself too seriously a lot of the time hence the googly eyes but also they're literally eyes right so the movie's about perspective she uses it as a third eye at one point. And that imagery of Michelle Yeoh putting that googly eye on her forehead, like that's, it's the movie in a nutshell because it's like, it's the third eye, it's grand sight, it's, it's, you know, all this stuff, but it's also a, a googly eye stuck to her forehead. And it's, it's just silly. Like the, the silliest version of that that you can imagine. And I think it works on all those layers. I saw this movie with three other guys and uh, we all took something different from it, but in the, the car was super quiet, you know, cause we're all just in a happy way, in a satisfied way. It wasn't like. You know, you've just seen No Country for Old Men or something quiet. It was like, <laughs> it was like oh, yeah. we're all yeah. like content and just thinking about different things. And I think that's what's so cool about this flick is that, you know, you can take a thousand different meanings from it, but they're all going to be positive and they're all going to be valid. You know, I actually don't like to talk, discuss movies right after I see them. I always like to sit with them. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes after a movie, we don't talk that much about the movie at all on the car ride home. Unless it was bad and we make fun of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> and so, um, but generally, we don't really speak that much about the film, and also we want to save it for the podcast. But I like to sit with the movie and think about what I just saw, rather than immediately t- try to d- decipher what I saw. And it, I like to, you know, spend hours just like thinking about the movie and just like silently considering what I just saw. And it's definitely a movie where. The more you think about it, the better it gets, and it has you thinking about it months after you see it. And I think the characters are really what make it. You know, Wayman, Joy, Evelyn, even Deirdre is very memorable. So I think the characters are just one of the greatest strengths of the film, and they're so interesting. I think they're, they're, they're those characters in movies that you'll always think about, and, and you'll watch this movie over and over again. This is a high rewatch, rewatch value movie. I've, I've only seen it twice, but I can see myself seeing this like – five times in the next 10 years you know once every year every two years just checking it out like one yeah, of those I was essentials ask how many times you guys have watched it i've only, I've only yeah. seen it twice as well yeah mm-hmm. so theaters then I've, i saw it um online too but it's such I a great experience illegally stream it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has high rewatch value you know who actually produced this movie uh were the russo brothers yeah That's joe right. and anthony russo yeah there's actually 14 producers and executive producers on this film Dang. including anthony and joe and russo so a lot of people were involved in this film, and it definitely paid off because it is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. You can see what they saw in the script. And I think just giving the Daniels the money they needed because it's actually a very high budget for an A24 film. Mm-hmm. Their budgets are famously very small, and they don't have the most successful movies, huge box offices. But their movies make um, good profits when you put into consideration the small budgets like – 
like $20 million is a success for A24, mm-hmm. but they put $25 million into this movie for the budget. Then you got to add the marketing, you got to throw in at least 10 to $15 million, maybe more for marketing. So they put a lot of money into this movie. It was a big risk, and I'm really happy that it paid off. It made a lot of money, uh, almost $90 million at the box office, and then it's going to do great with streaming and rentals. So I'm glad that it became a big success for A24 because they really risked a lot doing a huge budget like this for a movie that you're not sure if audiences will come to. And not even just the risk of the concept, but even a lot of sequences in this movie were a risk. Like the rock sequence where they're just there's no dialogue, yeah. it's just it's just uh captions and it's like eight minutes that is of them communicating as rocks yeah. on that cliffside. So things like that are that's risky to do in movies. Sequence. I love but like that. that's that's yeah. the thing. Super People funny. love it. And yeah. it's just something new and different and it's it's people really uh, connect to that, and I, I think it's important to take risks in film and in art. And Daniel's definitely pulled it off with this one. Yeah, hundred percent. You guys got anything else? I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the with what we went over. What about you, Chris? Yeah. No, I'm just so grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm grateful to have you here. Yeah, you you've been awesome. So this was a lot of fun to talk about. This is an excellent movie, one of the best of the year, top three for me for sure. Hoping that you know we get some Oscar nominations and some wins for this movie because it's much deserved. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our episode of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Chris, you want to plug all your stuff? I would love to plug. Always be plugging. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for allowing me on the show. I've been watching you guys for a while. Uh, big fans. Uh, you guys seem like great people. Uh, you can find my podcast on all podcast platforms. It's called Streaming Things. While Stranger Things is active, it's a Stranger Things podcast. But we talk about all movies and TV shows that we can fit in there. There's a ton of good stuff on there. Uh, I have a couple of great guys on there as well. And then on TikTok, I go by at uh, Movies Are Therapy. If you've seen me on there, uh, that's, a, that's a good time if you want to follow me on there. That's the great guy stuff. with the A24 hat. Great stuff. So yeah, always wearing them. the hat. Always wearing it the helps. hat. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, thanks so much, Chris, for joining. And everyone listening, thanks for tuning in around the world. And this again, this will be available for video podcasts on Spotify, but it'll also be on every other audio platform and YouTube still. So make sure if you're on Spotify to watch our faces on there. Take care, everyone. All right, everyone. Take care. I said, you said take care. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. This episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast has been executive produced through Patreon by our amazing Chosen One Tier patrons, Cody Moen, Calvin Cam, John Agraz, Lauren Smertz, and Tyler McFly. Thank you so much for being executive producers through Patreon for our show. We appreciate you all so much. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.